Welcome to the Manor. Welcome back to the Twin Terrors Macabre Manor of Mead, Metal, and Mayhem. I'm spooky, James. Are you, though? Mm, yeah, yeah, not too bad. You know, I'm, I'm semi-spooky. Okay. Well, in that case, I'm spooky Jody. And I am sure that's true. <laughs> uh, yeah. If it makes you feel better, I had to mic, uh, mute my mic for a second because when I did mine, <clears throat> I, I had to cough. <laughs> so I took a <laughs> second to respond. Uh, so guess uh, guess what I did on October 31st when I got home from the, well, work in the pub? Uh, I, I don't know. If, if you say masturbation, that's, of course, but... <laughs> It is with, with a crucifix. 30- Fuck me, mommy. Fuck me. <laughs> it's, it's still really difficult for me to say, even if I'm referencing a movie. <laughs> it's just disturbing. Um, okay, I don't know. I have no idea what you do. It is August 31st, so I put out a half a dozen Halloween things out into the front yard. Ah, okay. I have uh, I have some things I'm going to put out. But I'm gonna wait until my wife is back home from the convention she's at, so that you know I don't put them out too early for her. That that makes sense. Yeah, we have a disagreement on when spooky season starts. <laughs> what what is the disagreement? I I agree with you that it starts after July Fourth. Well, I I it starts after July Fourth, but even I don't want to start actually getting too into it until September because I I yeah. like seasonal things i do too but, you know yeah um and i, I yeah, mostly yeah I'm, i mostly joke about putting stuff out and keeping it out all year mostly, <laughs> mostly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh but no no that's uh i i don't know if she wants to wait until closer to uh october to start putting stuff out so what we don't we don't really do a whole lot of the yard, uh, yard ornament stuff so I don't know how much we'll put out anyway. Bonfire. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because I I had always thought, hey, you know, it'd be really cool to get some of those inflatable things to put out in the yard and stuff. And last year, or actually, no, I had bought um, a couple of years prior, I had bought a couple of them. And I thought, oh, you know, last year I was like, yeah, now that I finally, you know, have a house to with a yard to put them in. And then it was... um, when I read the instructions, I'm like, yeah, that's too much work. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't want to have to, I don't, I, I mean, I, I get for the safety reasons why you have to, you know, make sure everything's tied down, but that's, that's just too much work. So. We, we have a couple of things we have to tie down, but I don't like doing a lot of that. Yeah. I got, I, I did buy some stuff yesterday at uh, one of the local dollar stores and, there are things that can go out in the yard, but they'll go out a little bit later. They're not inflatables or they're stuff that can come up out of the ground just as easy as they go in. So, and they're plastic as opposed to the styrofoam things we put out last year that got totally trashed. So, but because of just weather or because of douches? Weather. Okay. I, I, I get that too, you know. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, well, okay. I guess 
What 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 are you drinking? <laughs> <laughs> where where are we? <laughs> what what what? <laughs> what are we doing? Um, I am I am drinking since I bought this when I was up there a couple of weeks ago with uh, to, to so you and I went to go see Ghost, and we had our Ghost burger. What? Ghost Ghost yeah, yeah Ghost. Um, so what like the first place we went once I got up there we went you and I went to dinner we went to uh, Scarlet Lane. Um, was it the Irvington location? Yeah yeah oh yeah yeah okay um, and I got a six pack of their Volick oatmeal stout. Um, yes, named after well shit I know it's a demon with King Solomon but it's also a demon in a horror movie that I can't remember which one. Okay. So yeah, I, I'm having that. I I am enjoying this. This is a this is a pretty good oatmeal stout. Nice. I am also having Scarlet Lane. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, this being the day it is. Uh, so I'm a berserker. So it's it's a club. So uh, you know you get a few perks. And today's perk was, uh, it, so their Oktoberfest is going to be released tomorrow. Oh, nice. But for Berserkers, we went and, and they made some brats and we got to have the Oktoberfest. Oh, nice. Which I'll put on social media tomorrow because today's going to be Halloween decorations, you know. So right. I don't want them getting too mixed up. So, you know. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's it's probably my, I would say offhand, the top three of my American Oktoberfests. Okay. And... I mean, top, you know, five to eight overall, because there's just some really good German Oktoberfests. <laughs> yes. Yes, there are. <laughs> uh, and one of them, uh, so one is Sam Adams, because I, I know Sam Adams gets some hatred, but I think they have some really solid stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but their their Oktoberfest is phenomenal. And, and another is one I'll never get to have again, because it was uh, West Virginia Brewing Company or or was it Morgantown Brewing Company? It was the one original before it closed and got bought out and opened back up like six months later as the other. Yeah. But they had a, a Oktoberfest. I think they just called it their Martzen. Okay. Um, and, and I know Oktoberfests and Martzen's overlap. They're not necessarily the same because Oktoberfest can be lighter than a Martzen, but a lot of Oktoberfests are Martzen's, but whatever. Uh-huh. But it, it, I'll never have it again because even if it's the new one, they don't make... I. I I don't go back to West Virginia really, but I keep up with what's going on and they, they, they must've changed brewers because they have like a lot of sours and stuff now and not a lot of the old school stuff they used to have. Huh. But anyway, yes, yeah, it's, it's really good, but that's what I had earlier. I'm just throwing that out there. Okay. Because while I was there also being released tomorrow is their annual uh, seasonal Katrina, which is their fall beer. It's a brown ale with uh, brown sugar and cinnamon. I saw that on their website. Yes. Yeah, and uh, I looked good. Well, I I actually finished my last one from last year just a week or two ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but because you know we're in the club thing, uh, they the, the brewers brought up a, a can. You know they they want this to keep it kind of hidden because they don't want to make it a thing with uh, other people. And I get, it. I totally you know I. I I like the perks, but I don't like feeling like feeling special and not having other people get things and making them feel bad. Right. So, but uh, yeah, so put it in my uh, 
cargo. That's why I wear cargo pants. <laughs> that's, I have pockets for beer. That's right. My beer pocket. Well, <laughs> if, if anybody goes back and listens to our Tolkien biopic episode. <laughs> yes, beer pockets were discussed. I remember that. Yes. I and then this is how you can tell I wasn't full of shit because I actually remember the story still. Because <laughs> I, I wanted to pop a beer for the professor. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure if they'd see him because I had these cans in my, my cargo pants pocket. And I was, they were kind of looking at it. And I just preempted it by saying, that's my colostomy bag. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, dude, I don't know if I, I believe you. And I don't care. I don't get paid enough to give a shit if, <laughs> if you want to come into the Tolkien biopic at one in the afternoon when there are only three other people in there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I just popped open the first Katrina of 2023 and it's, it's good. It's so good. It's one of my, one of my favorites. Nice. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. That's what I'm, that's what I'm having. Okay. And for those who didn't get Jody's, uh, <laughs> I, I, I want to say joke, but it wasn't really a joke earlier. <laughs> um, and, you know, if you can't read the, the title, <laughs> what, uh -huh. what are we talking about? We are talking about The Exorcist. Oh, man. So I've got some like background stuff and i know we both have trivia and i've got some things about some of the actors but can we just talk about the movie for a second first yeah it remains to this day one of the most motherfucking <laughs> horrifying um movies i i still cannot watch it at night by myself and since my wife refuses to watch it because it also freaks her out, uh -huh. uh, it, it, it's something I just will not watch at night anymore. It is, I don't care if it's 50 years old. It freaked me out when I first watched it back in the, well, I didn't watch it in 73. I was one. <laughs> I, I probably didn't watch it till I was 14 or 15. Uh huh. Scared the shit out of me. I think it took me like three settings because I get freaked out and have to stop. <laughs> uh huh. Uh, but Jesus, the uh, um, God, just and 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 to be fair, I haven't watched either it or the second one for a long time. And I know we actually talked about it. I think even on the podcast, I know together, in one of them, the possessed person comes like down the stairs in a backwards crab walk thing, like on the ceiling. And I want to say that's number two. Um, it was actually filmed for the first movie and they put it in. Uh, basically it wound up in the director's cut because they, at the time they, um, the director, William Friedkin didn't, like the way it looked but when they were able to do the director's cut in the early 2000s whenever it was um they were able to digitally go in and fix it okay that that scene though but it is but it did it did inspire other movies to use that effect um there was a movie that came out a few years after that in like 1977 that 
apparently somebody had heard about it or had seen the the cut footage and put it in another horror movie yeah well that scene really fucking freaked me out too yeah <laughs> but yeah the whole thing it's i saw i grew up catholic and i'm sorry I, you know, me too <laughs> still still as my cousin nick likes to say recovering yeah. <laughs> uh, but i mean you know i i grew up as a, a, a okay so i was an altar boy i was never so my priest when i was a young man was just an irish priest who drank like a fucker and smoked the cigars and like he i was safe with him um i didn't have a priest that was going to do anything weird i had there were seminarian or two who came in that Unfortunately, um, I was older because they probably would have happily um, rang my sensor. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, That's one way to put it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but so, so uh, as an altar boy, I'm just throwing that out as an altar boy and, and we would get changed and we would be there early before the priest would get there. So sometimes we'd kind of look at the books in the back and they had the books on uh, how to deal with exorcisms so you know it was it was some uh some freaky stuff so when i watched it 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 was just the whole thing the voice and the face and the 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 production the makeup it was i tell you yeah (laughs) (laughs) so i and i've seen movies that are probably what some people might think of as scarier but, um, you know, I, I, it's still one of the, I don't care if it's 50 years old, still one of the scariest damn things. Yeah. I think I was, I think I was in Germany the first time I tried to watch it. So I would have been about 13. And yeah, to this day, I think I've only watched it all the way through maybe three times. I've got it on Blu-ray. Um, fantastic movie, but yeah, it's still, I'm like you, it still creeps me the fuck out. Um, I was last night, I was trying to watch behind the scenes stuff to get notes and I was like, Oh, I'll watch behind the scenes stuff and get notes. And, you know, then I won't see any of the stuff that really creeps me out because, you know, my wife's not here. I'm home alone with the cats and yeah, that didn't work so well. Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was, because the behind the scenes stuff still showed some of the really creepy imagery. And I was just like, oh, fuck. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, it's, you know, this is the 50th anniversary or will be in December. Um and it just, I, they, they just, they nailed it. it. It's the, the imagery is so powerful that, you know, even to this day, it, it, it's unnerving. And that's, I think that's what does it, you know, and, and, you know, maybe, maybe younger viewers of it, because they've probably grown up with stuff that's more intense than even this movie is. Maybe they're, you know, a little more conditioned to it than, than we are, but 
it usually tops or is near the top of you know scariest movies of all time lists yeah <laughs> uh-huh oh, yeah, it, you're right so the um the atmosphere the the music that goes with it is perfect mm-hmm. uh, or well at least i have a couple notes you probably do too about uh the uh technical director is a priest so knew what was mm-hmm. going on and um yeah they just did a really good job yeah yeah now we have a we have a friend from high school who's actually your wife's cousin <laughs> i well there, there there are a lot of those in park county so <laughs> yeah um but she had mentioned one time posted something on facebook about how um she does not find this movie scary she actually laughs at it which uh i I know we don't like give names what are her initials uh v okay gotcha (laughs) that was my first guess yeah but there are a thousand of yeah h's in (laughs) yeah so but which is which is funny and and i don't think that i don't think she falls into this category but again the director william friedkin was talking about you know how, how there are some people who had have watched the movie and they're like you know haha that that doesn't scare me i laugh at that and he says you know really what they're doing is they're using laughter and and humor to cope with the fact that it's basically unnerved them <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's not a direct quote you know i'm kind of paraphrasing but that's that's essentially what he was saying and some people don't have either the religious background or the imagination. I mean, I'm sure there are people who don't get freaked out. Right. Yeah. But I, you know, I mean, that's like I was saying, I just, I, I wasn't watching the movie last night. I was just watching behind the scenes stuff, but even, you know, just putting up part of a scene from the movie on one of these behind the scenes things. And the, the image is stuck in my head and I'm like, you know, I'd, I'd close my eyes or something because I had to take a shower and all this afterwards. I'd be like, I'd close my eyes and I'm like, do I really want to open them again? <laughs> because all of a sudden, in the back of my head, there's this expectation that I'm going to see that the, the white face, not Linda Blair with all that makeup on, but the white face that you see for a split second that's only on screen for like a couple of frames each time they show it. And that is the most unnerving. That was a failed makeup test, and it is still the most unnerving picture out of the whole fucking movie to me. Yeah, but maybe it's because it was a failed thing, and it was unhuman enough, inhuman enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but yeah, so so this actually this worked out because this is the fiftieth anniversary of the movie. Um, I know a couple of years ago we had talked about doing. Well, no, okay, when did we when did we start 20, 2018 or 2019? Uh 5 years ago, so 2018. Okay. So, that would have been the 45th anniversary of the movie. Yeah. Cuz we had yeah, talked about maybe doing the movie at that point and we just didn't get it done. Um or in my case probably forgot, but well, we don't know, whatever. Well, I it was probably we had so much going on that first Halloween that I'm, I'm trying to surprise that. Yeah, we didn't get to this but uh 
I don't know. Are, do we, are you ready to, to move on to actual stuff or? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, and I can do it whenever, just so you know, I've got some information on uh, some of the actors, a little bit of the background and where it comes from, but mostly trivia, because honestly, the trivia here yeah. is kind of the neatest thing. Yes. So whatever, wherever you'd like to start. Well, I, I was actually, I was going to start with a little bit with the novel. Um, I've not read the novel, but it was written by William Peter Peter Blatty. Um, and that's B-L-A-T-T-Y, not with a D, because I know I, as I pronounced that, it sounded like I said D. <laughs> well, we're American, so it's Blatty, but we yes. don't pronounce it that way. Right. So he... Um, he wrote the novel and it was published in 1971. Um, initially did not really sell a whole lot. And then he went on, I think it was Dick, the Dick Cavett show or something like that and talked about it and uh, almost overnight turned into a number one bestseller. Um, <laughs> he had already, this was the funny thing though, before he had, before the book was published, he had already, optioned the film rights to warner brothers so the <laughs> this was i thought that was a little weird but yeah it was and once um once the novel turned into a big success then warner brothers was like okay yeah we'll make the movie um but he uh he wrote the novel and he wrote the screenplay and he was one of the movie producers. He, he wrote the novel in a guest house that was owned by actress Angela Lansbury. Neat. Didn't have that. I mean, well, what I have on the, the novel is that it's based on a real life exorcism. Yeah. I mean, I got a little uh, bit and, on that too, but yeah. yeah. So yeah, I have almost nothing in that. He did the screenplay as from his book, but yeah, that's right. That's, that's neat. Cool. Um, he, he actually the 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 guest house was still there uh, about the time they did the 40th anniversary stuff and he he went back to it and gave a little tour and everything and he said yeah it's obviously it's changed some since 1971 when he wrote the book but um he was like yes and you know and here was here was the round table where i i used to stand and take all my meals and uh, apparently he had a ouija board <laughs> And, and and would and and would like stand there and eat his meals and mess with the Ouija board at the table. Um, he he would work. You should go back and listen from our first season. Yeah, he uh, he would work um, between midnight and six a.m. That's the creepiest time in the tea time of the soul. Actually, yes, he talked, he did, he talked about that because he said, that's the, that's the dream time. That's, you know, normally you would be asleep. And, you know, he said for him, it was kind of like three o'clock in the morning. And even though he's awake and he's typing, he kind of, kind of goes into like this dream state a little bit while he's working. And that was how, you know, a lot of the writing went was coming out of that kind of headspace neat he wanted it to be a supernatural detective story and apparently in the book it actually goes more into is this a real case of possession or is this just a mental illness situation huh yeah which in the movie they they got away from that 
um, which I think was fine for the movie, you know, um, and he was okay with it. Because like I said, he was one of the producers. He had a hypothesis on Ouija boards that the people using them actually do move the planchette, but they do it subconsciously. And that it's still spirits that are talking to the person, but they're doing it through the subconscious. And they're and they're telling the person subconsciously where to move the planchette. You know, I, I've heard that. He's not the only one to have that theory. I, I think we even discussed that in our Ouija board episodes. We may have. But I think that's bullshit. That's <laughs> I mean, we've done it before. Uh-huh. And we some of the things that came up with weren't even like remotely in my realm of subconscious like subconscious things would have been uh, I'm talking to Randy Rhodes. Yeah. But but that that was not what was going on yeah so no (laughs) (laughs) so uh okay so william peter blatty's mother was in a nursing home while he was and passed away while he was writing the the novel um which actually becomes one of the plot threads for father Karras in the novel and the movie the novel as it was originally published in 1971 was the first draft he 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 said at the time he didn't have the resources to go back and and do a second draft and basically he was like i didn't have any money (laughs) i mean i i I guess i'm not sure where that comes from because you got to have a job to keep eating and so you could still spend another two months doing another draft i he had, I think he had gotten an advance from the publisher or something. That's fine, I guess, but still, yeah, I don't know. But he, um, he, he said he didn't get to do a second draft until the 40th anniversary of the novel. And I mean, if the publisher said, no, we want what you have. Okay. Well, yeah. The, the money it, part doesn't, I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't, um, I don't, I don't know where he was getting money to, to live and pay rent on. So because he did rent the house he, he talked about that he said it was like 70 bucks a month to rent that house hmm. I'm, I'm gonna look something while you keep talking <laughs> <laughs> um he said he he wrote the novel chapter by chapter he didn't really have an outline or a plot the story takes place in the georgetown district of washington or the georgetown area of washington dc uh particularly you know, around Georgetown University. He had actually attended Georgetown University. And they actually, I saw part of an interview with one of the priests that was one of his instructors at Georgetown. And the guy, because Blatty had made, um, he'd had a career as a, as a script writer. He had done comedies for like Blake Edwards back in the 60s. And this priest you know that they talked to was like he was like yeah you know he was basically he was kind of the class clown (laughs) (laughs) um and as a matter of fact that was where he first heard of the exorcism that formed the basis of the story was while he was at georgetown um typically apparently the church doesn't talk about exorcism cases one to protect the person that you know is possibly possessed and i I 
got something I want to say about that a little bit later too. Um, but they just, you know, I, I don't know if it's whether that they, they, it's, you know, sometimes questionable whether the person was actually possessed or, you know, whether it is a mental thing or, you know, for, for whatever reason, they, they don't talk a lot about it. Um, they don't, you know, really publish the cases or anything like that, but yeah, somebody had let it slip about this case and it got mentioned in one of his classes. And, and, uh, so he actually contacted, uh, people at Georgetown about it. And of course they didn't really want to share it with him because they remembered him and they thought, well, he's not serious about this, right? He's, he's going to make this a joke. <laughs> I have that issue sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine why. <laughs> what? No. Uh, let's see. So, so while you're finding it, uh -huh. I, I was looking up, $70 in 1973 is the same buying power as $502. So $500 right now. That's but the av average amount for rent in the DC area, which is the Georgetown area, is around um, the median rent is $1,900 for a one bedroom apartment. Yeah. But this would have been the, the house he was renting was in LA. Ah, well, I'm still probably going to say that. Uh, it's not much. Well, here we go. Los Angeles apartment average rent for LA is twenty seven hundred dollars. Uh huh. So Go show just the housing has increased way more than inflation. Yeah. So stop bitching, about, stop bitching at people about getting their avocado toast. Yeah. That's not the reason why they can't afford a house. Yeah. No shit. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I got one here. I don't know if I should. Yeah, I'll go ahead and mention it. Um, so he, I, I said earlier, he was a producer on the movie. Um, he actually has an uncredited cameo in the movie as a producer of the movie that's being made in the movie. You're lucky, Leonard. You're talking to one of the few people in the world who can. <laughs> <laughs> uh anyway yeah I, yeah I understood that but <laughs> um so the the steps that play a significant part in the movie even though they're not an actor <laughs> <laughs> snicker um, yeah they are they're they are because of the exorcist i mean and that's a, that's a real location um it's actually got a uh historical marker <laughs> This the staircase does. Um, it, it is now known as the Exorcist, uh, the Exorcist steps because <laughs> because of the end of the movie. But um, when Blatty was going to Georgetown, because they're actually the steps are actually on the campus of, of Georgetown University, um, they were known as the Hitchcock steps. And it was a reference to the Hitchcock movie, The 39 Steps. But there's like 75 or 74 steps in this staircase. So <laughs> I'm not entirely sure why they were doing that. But yeah. Huh. I I don't know where they're at my notes. I don't even know if I put them in here, if it's one of the trivia things that are somewhere buried. But I also know that 
somebody looked at it and the angle of people being able to be thrown out of that or jump out of the um, oh. yeah yeah go ahead go ahead well I, I i guess i don't know if you're gonna go it's not a spoiler it's 50 years old if you don't know right. the movie too damn bad something happens at the end where oh something somebody's thrown out of a window and go down the steps which is why the exorcist steps are a thing and the angle is impossible for this to happen <laughs> yeah it's um yeah they they actually they had to build like a fake wing onto the house so that it would be close enough to the steps for somebody to actually come out of the window and fall down the steps because there was like a gap of 40 feet between the actual window <laughs> and the stairs <laughs> And I think that's what they were talking about because one of the things I read said that they had to, um, the, the lady who actually owned the house had a garden and they actually had to make sure they took care of the plants that were covered up by the set. And I guess that's what they were talking about was the extra, the extra thing that they built onto the building so that there would be a window there covered her garden. So to, to not kill her plants, they actually had to make sure to take care of the garden while they were shooting. That's cool. Yeah, I, that's that's the way I'm interpreting the two things that I've heard. So um, and and if you if you look at a shot of the actual house, you can tell there is part of it that's not there compared to the way the house looks in the movie. And they, I did see something that said as of 2020, there was a marijuana shop in that house. Nice. Yeah. So okay. So the the stair, like you said, it's not really a spoiler. It's a fifty year old movie. There are two deaths in the movie that occur on those stairs. One death you definitely see because it's at the end. But apparently that was inspired by a real incident. While William Peter Blatty was going to Georgetown, a student trying to find the answers for a chemistry final exam um, had snuck into the classroom or whatever for the chemistry class and like at two o'clock in the morning. So, okay. So I'm picturing the scene from animal house <laughs> or, or they go dumpster diving to find the, uh, the, the key to the, the final exam. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently that's what this guy was doing. He had, he had snuck into the classroom to find the, the exam so that he could copy the answers. So he'd be able to pass the exam. Well, for some reason, it was like at two o'clock in the morning. And I, for some reason, the professor or somebody walked into the room while he was in there. So to avoid being caught, he jumped out of the window. Huh. Um, let's see. Jumped out of the window and fell down a metal staircase, as opposed to the concrete stairs that, you know, are, are in the movie. He did survive, but they said he was in hospital in the hospital in traction for like several weeks. Whoops. Yeah. You know what? That's what you get for jumping out of a window. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. We've talked about that. Talked about that. Were you going to do more on actors since you already started that or? Um, I'll let you take yeah. charge. I'll let you edit this one. I, and I'll let you take charge. Yeah, I, I will. So, before we get to that, uh, we, we will talk about actors here in a moment. So, I, I mentioned the, you know, that he had heard the story of this this exorcism. He'd heard it, uh, it, it, the class he was in was taught by a father, Eugene Gallagher. 
in the interview that Gallagher gave uh, shortly after the, the movie came out, that somebody had approached him because, you know, they said, oh, you taught, you know, William Peter Blatty and blah, blah, blah. Um, so he, he did talk some about exorcism. He, he was like possession. He compared possession to being mugged or raped. I, I can understand that. I mean, it's uh, your body being forcefully used for something you don't want it to be. Right. The The interviewer asked Father Gallagher if he was bothered by the use of foul language and uh, blasphemous things. And he, he said he was not because all that was actually in the case file. And he says, that's, that's the way it is. You know, so basically that's when, when you think of somebody being possessed like that, that's supposedly one of the, one of the hallmarks is, you know, all the, the, the foul language and the blasphemous things being said and, you know, so, and that, that's kind of the, the majority of the consensus that I got from at least the, the faculty at Georgetown is that, and, and I guess we should say Georgetown is a Catholic college, right? In D.C., right? Yes. So, yeah, so basically all the faculty at Georgetown are priests. The, the majority of the ones that they, uh, well, at least pretty much everyone that I've heard them ask, or, or all of the Catholic priests that they have asked about this movie, um, none of them seem to have been offended by it in any way a lot of them were like yeah yeah that's that's <laughs> they they did a good job of getting this right <laughs> <laughs> it was religious leaders of other christian denominations that had a problem with the movie i'll mention that a little bit later but <laughs> just so you know also uh, georgetown university is a jesuit yes and those are the more sciencey chill intelligent priests yeah so yeah yeah I don't have to get into that, but that that does make sense. Yeah. When William Friedkin went to edit the movie, he took it to uh, okay, because okay, so they filmed the movie in in the Georgetown area of Washington D.C. and the the indoor sets that they built were done in and and filmed in those were done in New York. So when the movie was done and William Friedkin went to edit it, uh, he, they, they had an editing office set up at 666 Fifth Avenue. <laughs> I, I have other things I could mention about that particular location, but I will not. Wasn't there a, I felt like there was a TV show for a, a season about that show. That was pretty good, but it never got renewed. There, there may have been. And the, the TV show is 666 Park Avenue. Oh, yes. Yeah. I do remember that. I didn't watch it, but I do remember that. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, there were uh, there were a couple of priests on the set. I think you... Did you mention that already? There were a couple of priests on the set to make sure that... Uh, and that was that was basically... That was uh, William Peter Blatty and William, and, and William Friedkin had him there to make sure that everything was authentic. Well, there's Father William O'Malley, who was who played Father Dyer in yes. the show. He was actually yeah. a priest and also technical director. Yes, yeah. There was um, there was another priest too that had a small role in the movie. Let's see. Okay, so uh, director William Friedkin didn't consider the movie a horror film. He called it a mystery of faith. Actress Linda Blair called it a theological thriller. 
And I call it what you want. It's a horror film. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and as I said earlier, uh, William Peter Blatty called it a supernatural detective story. Somebody else called it something, though. You'll like this. William Peter Blatty was friends with Ray Bradbury, who called it a beautiful love story. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck you! I love you, Ray, but Jesus. <laughs> Because Father Karras sacrifices himself to save save the young girl. All right. All right. <laughs> now sure that, was, would... that was Blatty saying that's what Bradbury said. So I don't know, you know. <laughs> well, just so you know, I I looked it up and there's no quote from him. I, I see the quote from Blatty, but not yeah. Not from Bradbury? Not from Bradbury, no. Okay. Well, it says once wrote that it's actually beautiful, but uh, they're they're not um, giving me a reference here. <laughs> yeah. So the movie uh, we've mentioned, directed by William Friedkin, who actually died a few weeks ago. Um, oh, August, wow. Yeah, August twenty twenty three. He just he just died. I think it was like August seventh, and he he would have had he would have had a birthday on August twenty fifth or something like that. Was he on some stairs? Uh, no, he was not. <laughs> Did he choke on pea soup? Uh, no. No, he was 80-some years old. He was almost 90. So, I'm not going to go anywhere with the cross. Let's keep, <laughs> cruise yeah. cross. Let's keep going. <laughs> um, William Peter Blatty died in 2017. It stars... I've got this pulled up here. Ooh, I've got a few things on this one. Okay. But go ahead. I'll just jump in with. Okay, so it it stars Ellen Burstyn as Chris McNeil, an an actress who is in Washington D.C. staying in Georgetown um, as she makes a movie, which is why I was saying Blatty was playing was a producer on The Exorcist, playing a producer on another movie that was featured in The Exorcist. See. Um, Linda Blair is her is plays her daughter Regan McNeil. The characters of Chris and Regan McNeil are based on William Peter Blatty's friends. Um, shit. <laughs> uh, Your notes are like mine. <laughs> huh? Your notes are like mine. <laughs> no, I I should. Damn it! I should remember. Um, yeah. I can picture to that for Shirley MacLaine. It was, oh, okay. He was friends with Shirley MacLaine, and the characters of Chris McNeil and her daughter Reagan are based on Shirley MacLaine and her daughter. Cool. Yeah. So I could cross that one off. <laughs> <laughs> Max von Sydow, who passed away in 2020. Yep, at age 90. That one I've got. He's yeah. born 1929. Yep. Um, probably I, he's had a lot of awesome film roles over the years. Ingmar Bergman's The Seventh Steel, uh, was probably the one that got him his first international recognition because he, uh, it was born in Sweden. That is a good movie. Uh, with, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, Although. Oh, did you have more on him, or are you going to go? I was just going to mention that uh, for younger listeners, 
he was in had a small role at the beginning of Star Wars The Force Awakens as Lor Santeca, who was the guy, the old guy that gave the map fragment to um, Poe and then was killed by Kylo Ren. I am suddenly drawing a fucking blank on almost every name I need to remember. <laughs> well, while you're thinking, uh, I've got a few other movies that he was in. Uh-huh. Uh, kind of match up with things we've talked about. Yeah. He was Blofeld in James Bond's Never Say Never Again. Oh, yeah. He has the, uh, the only non-Eon Blofeld. Uh-huh. Which, by the way, this would be the 40th anniversary of that because it came out in 1983. Mm. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm going to necessarily worry about it this year, but yeah, uh, neat. Uh, he was in Strange Brew. Yes, he was. Which is also its 40th anniversary this year. Came oh, out shit, yeah. Yeah. He was King Osric in Conan the Barbarian from 1982. Uh-huh. And he was in Flash Gordon. Ming the Merciless, yeah. 1980, and he does come back in uh, The Exorcist to The Heretic that was released in 77 uh, in flashback scenes. Yeah, yeah, because uh, the character was was uh, was dead. <laughs> okay, spoiler, but he's one of the deaths. <laughs> so, yeah, so he played uh, Father Lancaster Marin, who is the exorcist of the title, even though he's probably got the smallest role out of any of the main characters. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> because he's got the least amount of screen time. Let's see. Jason Miller. And I did, I was looking up some of Jason Miller's stuff uh, outside of the two Exorcist movies, because he actually came back and did The Exorcist 3. He did some other movies. I don't see anything that really jumps out that we would have talked about. Um, he did a lot of stage acting. The Exorcist was actually his first film role. He got nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. Um, and actually, Linda Blair was nominated, I think, for uh, Best Supporting Actress or something. I have some neat things about her when you're ready, but you keep going. Okay. But he he played Father Damien Karras. <laughs> Damien. Yeah, he's yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so he's even though he's not the exorcist of the title, he is the priest who spends the most time, you know, trying to to figure this out. And if it's true, he's the one who Bradbury talked about being a love story. Yes. There are a lot of other people mentioned here, most of whom I'm not gonna go into. Although um you mentioned Father William O'Malley. Um, he played the character Father Joseph Dyer. Hello, uh, Mali. How are you now, my lad? Yeah. Uh, Father Thomas Birmingham played Father Tom Canavan, president of Georgetown University in the movie. Visaliki Malarios as uh, Father Karras's mother. Ron Farber did one of the voices for the demon Pazuzu. Mercedes McCambridge was the main voice of Pazuzu, I think. Yeah, I've got some things on her, too. Eileen Dietz as the face of Pazuzu. That would have been the uh, makeup test with the white face that I mentioned. 
I think she actually was also Linda Blair's double for some of the scenes because she did a, she actually did a stunt where at the end of the movie where, um, where father Karras tackles uh, the possessed Reagan tackles her to the floor to try and get the, the demon out of her. And so that he can take it into himself and, and you jump out the window. That was actually Eileen Dietz as Reagan. And after they did that scene, the stunt people on the set were like, Hey, do you want to, you, you did that really well. Do you want to have a career in doing stunts? And she was like, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> hard, hard pass. Yeah. The radiologist's assistant, because there's a scene in the movie that we'll talk about that involves some some medical procedures. Paul Bateson, um, minor role, but he wound up becoming kind of uh, notorious afterwards because he got convicted of murder and spent uh, several years in prison. And it's believed that he actually wound up being a serial killer. I, I almost slipped and said, good for him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to keep um, drinking my beer. <laughs> um, and let's see. I think he died. I don't remember when. Jason Miller, who played Father Karras, he died in 2001. Um, Ellen Burstyn is still alive. She is 90 years old. And Linda Blair, I think she's like 63 now. And she's born in 1959. 1959, so, so 60, yeah. 63, 64, yeah. All right, did you have anything on actors? Yes. Okay. I do indeed. Okay. Because Linda Blair is very interesting, uh-huh. to say the least. Uh, so so the role for Reagan, uh, Denise Nickerson, who played Violet Beauregard in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, uh, was actually up for the part, but she said her family found the script too dark. Yep. Janet Lee would not let her daughter, Jamie Lee Curtis, even audition. Right. <laughs> but then Eleanor Blair comes in, comes in unannounced with their daughter, Linda, uh-huh. whose credits were pretty much modeling in a single soap opera role. Uh, but Freakin said she's smart, but not precocious, cute, but not beautiful, just a normal, happy 12-year-old girl. And he asked if she knew what The Exorcist was about. She told him that she actually read the book. Ah, cool. Because she goes, it's about a little girl who gets possessed by the devil and does a whole bunch of bad things. And Freakin asked her what she meant. She goes, well, she pushes pushes a man out of her bedroom window and she hits her mother across the face and she masturbates with the crucifix. Yep. And he goes, if she knew a masturbation meant, she goes like, it's like jerking off, isn't it? And giggled <laughs> a little bit. And, and then he, have you ever done that? He asked. He goes, sure, haven't you? <laughs> so it's, it's kind of how she got the part. But at 15... She dated Rick Springfield, the rock star and ah. actor who was 25 at the time. Hey, it was the 70s. <laughs> Not saying it's right, just saying it was the 70s. Well, no. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. To three years later. So it would have been 70s. I know. Them, Mick Jagger, Jimmy Page. You know, if the parents are okay, I'm not saying it's okay, but at least. At least in Jimmy Page's and in Rick Springfield's case here, the parents knew. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. Not not saying it's cool. But the 70s were a time before AIDS happened and you could just bang everybody you wanted as a rock star and you weren't going to get some sort of killer disease. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, she 
dated him and she also to overlap with another episode so get ready for a drink uh-huh dated deep purple basis glenn hughes yeah then she also dated uh from late 79 to mid 81 sticks guitarist tommy shaw really yep and uh, also uh, Jim Dandy Magnum of the Black Oak Arkansas band. Yeah, who I know I, we've never talked about him, but he's 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 quite cool. Yeah, and uh, dated Rick James for a while too because she revealed that in a in a Wee interview where she posed topless in 1982. So I've seen those pictures. Old. I maybe have, maybe haven't. You you take a <laughs> guess as to which one of those it was, especially when I was writing my notes and I saw that. You know, really. Yeah. It was. <laughs> like, you have to do your research. When you see something that says post-topless in a wee thing with an interview, you got to look up the interview, and the pictures are there. Oh, yeah. Can't help it. But anyway, they and then James, or Rick James, and uh, Linda Blair dated for uh, about two years. Yep. Because he saw the interviews, like, oh, yeah, she's hot. Uh, but otherwise, good to mention... Mercedes McCambridge, who Jody said was the voice of the demon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this was the woman who Orson Welles once dubbed the world's greatest living radio actress. Mm-hmm. And a little bit of controversy there because she wasn't initially credited for her performance. Right. Some say that she didn't want to be credited because she didn't want to take away from Linda Blair's performance. Yeah. But then she threatened to sue and she got her name added. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she is pretty sure is chain smoking and whiskey and a diet of raw eggs that added to her performance. I've got something on that, actually. Yeah, so uh, insisted on swallowing raw eggs and chain smoking to alter her vocalizations. She'd had problems with alcohol abuse in the past, wanted to drink whiskey as she knew alcohol would distort her voice even more. And create the crazed state of mind for the character. It wasn't wrong. <laughs> yeah. And I'm pulling this off of IMDb's trivia stuff. So, you know. Oh, shit. My trivia stuff is all sorts of pages of just yeah screenshots that I copied and pasted and put into That's a Word document. <laughs> kind of what I did. Um, as she was giving up sobriety, she insisted that her priest be present to counsel her during the recording process at director William Friedkin's. Uh, direction she was also bound to a chair with pieces of a torn sheet at her neck arms wrists legs and feet to get a more realistic sound of the demon struggling against its restraints she later recalled the experience as one of horrific rage while friedkin admitted that her performance as well as the extremes which the actress put herself through to gain authenticity terrified him to this day which, you know, now is because he's gone. <laughs> to, to, to least this day as of two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. three, three weeks ago. Well, come on, dude. If it was that bad, don't... If you want authenticity, that's cool, but Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I do have a couple things on Linda Blair. <laughs> I'm sure you wish you did. Yeah. <laughs> she said that she was raised Christian, but they didn't really... You know, she said as far as as her as her upbringing went they didn't really talk about the devil a whole lot so she just considered it to be just another fictional character in the script well it's not the devil 
It's Pazuzu. It's Pazuzu, yeah. A personification of the southwestern wind and Mesopotamian religion who had kingship over the Lilu Wind demons was both destructive but also protective of home and of pregnant women and mothers and was actually documented being used for white magic rituals and incantations. Thank you so very much. Uh Uh-huh. Anyway, I'm going to open up my next beer, which is also Scarlet Lane. It's Ivy's Pumpkin Stout from last year. It's one of the last few I have. So just throwing that out there. Okay, I got a couple more things here if I can find them on Linda Blair. Oh, Um, there. Can you hear that? Damn it. (laughs) Beer. You've looked for that while I let our listeners listen to this gorgeous pumpkin stout be poured into a mug and look at that wonderful foamy head Ooh, baby let's see okay so on the first day of filming the exorcism sequence linda blair's delivery her delivery of the foul mouth dialogue disturbed max von sidow so much he actually forgot his lines i have that because he's like a proper gentleman <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah uh, uh the the makeup artist on the film uh dick smith he he asked Linda Blair while the, while the filming was going on how she felt about having to swear swear you know use all the the foul language. And she was like, "Oh, it's not me. It's Reagan." That's genius. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> I mean, that's good acting, but it's also genius. Yeah. Although now I'm just thinking of James McAvoy. It's not me. It's Patricia. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Linda Blair, you godsend, or Pazuzu sin. But yeah, if you got, if you had something else, to... um, just a couple, like so, so I, I would say it's a little more than just trivia, but kind of similar. But it's a, uh, it was the first horror film to be nominated for a, an Academy Award for Best Picture. Yes, I love the fact that it was released on December twenty sixth. Yeah, <laughs> I I like that. Uh-huh. And uh, although it surpassed it for the highest rated horror gross for an R-rated thing, that's unadjusted. Yeah. Adjusted for inflation, it is the highest film, uh, horror film grossing movie. Yes. Um, Actually, I think that's it until we get to trivia. So um, you want to take turns? Um, Yeah. Because it'll be easier for me if... That way I can flip pages, and when I get to one you've done, I can just cross it. <laughs> that's that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, do you want to go first, or you want me to go first? I'll go first. Okay. You know, if you're going to ask me. Okay. Uh, but many of the Exorcist cast and crew members actually thought the set was cursed. Yeah. Bladdy and Freakin actually brought in a priest, the Father King, to bless the cast, crew, and set on the production because it... it was was so so bad and nine people associated with its making had passed away by the end of production <laughs> yeah that uh uh ellen burst and said there was there was like nine deaths associated with the production but i mean it was stuff like linda blair's grandfather you know so it wasn't yeah light that specifically out of the set and smash yeah. somebody yeah yeah anyway after you my good man so Warner Brothers executives screened the movie before the before it was released. Some of the executives called the film obscene and suggested shelving it and not releasing it at all. I've got that one someplace. <laughs> <laughs> the Exorcist Reagan preferred Anderson's pea soup. <laughs> and 
I've got another bit of trivia about that, which you could beat me to, and it's cool. Uh, I'm just going to go with the first part right now, that when she vomits on the Father Karras, uh-huh. it, it's Anderson's pea soup mixed with a little bit of oatmeal, and yep. they tried Campbell's, but evidently the crew didn't like the effect as much. Right, yeah. I actually didn't have a whole lot on the on the pea soup stuff. Um, you, want, you want me to give the other one? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I, I'm not even... I, I looked, I saw it earlier, so this will be close enough. Uh, but the effect, the, the tube malfunctioned. It's supposed to hit him in the chest, uh-huh. but it malfunctioned and it hit him in the face. So his look of disgust as he's wiping it off is actually real. Yeah. <laughs> that that actually was my very next one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, mine too. <laughs> the vomit was intended to hate Jason Miller in the chest, but <laughs> what do you know? Yeah, and there's my next one is your Max Fancetto being bothered by her cussing. <laughs> yeah, there you go. The original teaser trailer, which was basically nothing but images of the white-faced demon, like, flashing in and out of darkness, got banned from a lot of theaters because it was too frightening. <laughs> by the I way, that. <laughs> I, I can too, but also, here's a... Here's an intersection between what you just said and Max Fancetto. Uh-huh. Flashing. Oh. She's a miracle. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Okay. Jason Miller stated he had a major verbal confrontation with William Freakin after the director fired a gun near his ear to get an authentic reaction. Mm-hmm. He said that he's an actor and he doesn't need a gun to get startled or act surprised. <laughs> yeah. Which is true, you know? dick that's yeah. my ear asshole <laughs> i actually i saw that one and then i saw one where uh max von Sydow would he would he would get to the set every morning and he would ask i don't remember who it was but he would ask one of the the crew where william friedkin was hiding his guns at that day <laughs> <laughs> because apparently he did that a lot especially for the scenes in the bedroom during the exorcism when they he was trying to get those shocked responses from the actors. Um, it's kind of a dick move to be fair. It is. It's a, it's a kind of a dick move. <laughs> it's a major dick move. Yeah. Uh, all right. So my, my next one, when originally released in the UK, a number of town councils banned the movie. So what you wound up with were these exorcist bus trips. <laughs> <laughs> Travel companies would. <laughs> Here's a bus. We'll take you to the next town that's showing the movie. <laughs> I I have that know someplace. It's and all I could think of when I read it was the same as uh, Life Money Python's Life of Brian. Uh, yeah, <laughs> where where people got all pissed off about that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my my next one is due to death threats against Linda Blair from le- religious zealots who believed the film glorified Satan. Yeah. Warner Brothers had bodyguards protecting her for six months after its release. Yeah. I mean, just people are just I mean, why would you th- her character was the was the victim. Why would you threaten the victim? People are stupid. <laughs> you know? I'm preaching to the choir, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Jack Nicholson was up for the part of Father Karras. William Friedkin thought he was too unholy to ever play the part. 
I, I I know he was up for her. I don't remember the other bit, and I don't necessarily disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got a I, I got a good one later about J, how Jason Miller did get the part. I'll you might have it too. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see who gets there. But yeah, <laughs> here's Father Karras. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but then my next one is the bedroom set had to be refrigerated to capture the authentic icy breath of the actors in the exercising, exorcising Uh (laughs) scene. And Linda Blair, who is only in a flimsy nightgown, says to this day she cannot stand being cold. (laughs) Uh, Upon the initial theatrical release, the film affected many audiences so strongly that at many theaters... Paramedics were called to treat people who fainted and others who went into hysterics. Wasn't that's very similar to one of our very first episodes with uh, the zombie? Um, Night of the Living Dead. Dead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which had come out five years earlier. Because we did a 50th anniversary of it five years ago. (laughs) Yes, we did. We can do math even while drinking. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, speaking of famous actors who were up for roles. Yeah. The studio wanted Marlon Brando for yep. the role of Father Marin, but William Friedkin immediately said, "Hells to the no," yeah. because Brando. Yeah, that's not an exact quote, but <laughs> uh, but yeah, because he didn't want it to be a Brando movie, right? And and it would have been, yeah. Wait, because well, we we mentioned Father William O'Malley, who plays Father Dyer in the film. In the film, he he got the role. He wasn't looking for the role. He got the role. After he met with William Peter Blatty, after he sent a letter to William Peter Blatty criticizing the novel. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so evidently I have a piece of trivia that's only half here that I didn't think was important enough to copy the whole thing, so I'll, I'll skip it. <laughs> uh, there's your thing about paramedics and everything. Mm-hmm. Here we go. In order to make Max Van Sydow appear much older than his then age of 44, yep. makeup maestro Dick Smith applied generous amounts of stipple to his forehead, eyes, and neck. And then facial skin was stretched as li- liquid latex was applied to uh, when it dried. It would make this corrugated, horrible, nasty-looking thing uh, that would make him look much older. And evidently it was... Three hours of effort in the chair, and San uh, Max Van Sydow hated it. Yeah, he also thinks it cost him roles later on because people thought he was older than he actually was. Because they, man, he that was that old guy from The Exorcist. <laughs> but look, I'm pretty. <laughs> Here we go. Director William Freakin eventually asked technical advisor Thomas. Birmingham to exercise the set and Thomas refused saying an exorcism might increase anxiety but he did visit the set gave a blessing and talked to the cast and crew to reassure them yes oh my next one's good I hope you don't beat me to it (laughs) (laughs) okay I thought I had that quote that you just did but I don't see it so I won't cross it out Um, (laughs) so several of the actors revealed a, a lot of Several times throughout the filming of the movie, they didn't really have to act as what was captured on film was genuine reaction. There's a scene where possessed Reagan slaps 
her mother and knocks her across the room. And they actually had Ellen Burstyn on a rope. She had asked the stunt guys, you know, don't pull real hard. And of course, they later admitted they pulled as hard as they, as they could. She wound up with a back injury. So her Damn. scream of pain was real. See, you know, you can trust your actors to give a good performance. Yeah. Without using guns and ropes and sh- like causing. Yeah, that's. Yeah. You know, uh, she some she, of the other shit that we found out about recently. But <laughs> yeah, she uh, she broke her coccyx when she hit the, the floor or the wall or whatever it was. So, she yeah, her tailbone. She, she broke her tailbone. Yeah. And in that same scene where Reagan is violently being, she's violently sitting up and, and flopping back down. And that was, I think some of that might have been the stunt double, but I know at least part of that was Linda Blair because she actually injured her back too. Because the rig that they were using to try and stabilize her came loose. So her scream was real. <laughs> And um, William, Father William O'Malley, at the end of the movie, as he's giving Father Karras last rites to get the reaction he wanted, William Friedkin, he basically said, do you trust me? And Father O'Malley went, yes. And William Friedkin slapped him. And that's why Father O'Malley is actually shaking in that scene, because he the, the slap unnerved him. Some people just need slap back. <laughs> I I know. <laughs> I mean, okay, look, I we we get it. Friedkin directed The Exorcist. He directed The French Connection the year before. Two really huge movies of, of the time. He might be a great director, but there's a line where you cross him to just being a dick. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't think your actors are that good, hire somebody else. Yeah. Speaking of the some of the more sexual scenes. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're talking about. <laughs> And when I talk like, okay, so there's a scene where Reagan masturbates with the crucifix. Yeah. And for those who don't know the difference, a cross is just a cross. The crucifix has Jesus on it. Yeah. Yeah. And and yeah, it's it's pretty, pretty out there. Uh, Look, it's not sexual. Like, it's not. Mm. If you get turned on from it, go get therapy. Yeah. Hell yeah. I mean. Even at my most perverted stage of life, I never, ever thought that was awesome and sexy. Oh, God, no, no, no. <laughs> and, and it wasn't just because it was a young girl. It was like, no, nothing about that was. <laughs> right. Uh, but anyway, Cited as one of the most shocking scenes in cinema. It was actually toned down from the novel. That's Yeah, I read that. <laughs> yeah, it's much longer, gorier, more sexually explicit. With Reagan suffering a broken nose, butchery of her genitals, and actually having an orgasm. And I'm very glad, even though this is one of the most freaky movies ever, they did not show her having an orgasm. Jesus yeah. fucking Christ, why would you do that? That, that would have, yeah, <laughs> that would have been a bit much. I'm not even sure what that had to be in the book, to be fair. <laughs> True. <laughs> did, did you hear what I just said, though? That would be a bit much. Considering this movie, <laughs> <laughs> even even considering even considering this movie, that would have been a bit much. Would have been, you know. I, sometimes you can be, um, you you can word things in a way that isn't explicit. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, your turn. <laughs> 
So uh, I got like a crucifix. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Oh, okay. So, uh, just to reference uh, the 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 masturbating with the crucifix thing, there are now companies who make crucifix dildos, not just cross crucifix. <laughs> you know, I know you've seen those videos on Pornhub. <laughs> Actually, I, 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 oh yeah, never mind. <laughs> you know what? I I like none porn, so yes. <laughs> But I digress. My next trivia thing actually fits with this porn analogy. <laughs> oh, oh hell. <laughs> Father William O'Malley, he, he actually is an instructor or was an instructor at Georgetown. He, he would refer to this movie to his students as the pornographic horror film he once did. <laughs> yeah. And I bet the students are like, Oh my God, that's awesome. Hilarious. <laughs> huh. You know what? I only have one more left and it kind of sucks. So it's going to be a come down after all that. <laughs> really? You've only got one more? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I already have fucking 20 pages of these. I, <laughs> um, I, I was just going to say Linda Blair, her agency, overlooked her, recommending at least 30 other clients for the part. Yeah. This is why. Blair's mother brought her in herself. Okay. Yeah, that's I mean, I, I can go through here, but I'm pretty sure I've actually hit everything in my multitude things of newts. <laughs> I I'll probably cut down what I was what I've got here, but um uh on on the casting thing though, I actually did see something that suggested Debbie Reynolds and Carrie Fisher mother and daughter were actually considered for the roles of Chris and Reagan McNeil. I'm trying to process that. I mean, Carrie Fisher dealt with a big slug. <laughs> and and also Java. No, sorry, George. <laughs> okay. So, you know, we, we mentioned that um, uh, a lot of people had physical reactions to the movie. They would faint or, Go into hysterics it's been suggested this is kind of coming out of the trivia a little bit um that the the medical procedure the um uh arteriogram that they do there was a, there was a lot of blood in that scene um and that was what william friedkin said caused a lot of people to faint he said it was that scene it wasn't the blasphemous stuff going on during the exorcism it was the medical procedure <laughs> and apparently medical schools would you literally would use the scene from the movie to teach people how to do the fucking procedure because it was wow. so well filmed and so accurate that's cool <laughs> william friedkin said that he uh he cast jason miller as father father Karras because he had seen him in a stage play, and his performance reeked of failed Catholicism. <laughs> Wait, isn't that all Catholicism? <laughs> uh, better uh, than being a Baptist, you fuckers. <laughs> uh, before uh, before he was cast in the movie, Jason Miller, who played Father Karras, had had studied for the priesthood with the Jesuits. 
See, Jesuits. Yeah. Out of, as far as Catholic priests go, they're the bomb. Uh, heavy metal band Pantera, their album Vulgar Display of Power. The title was taken from a line from the movie, which Pazuzu says to Father Karras. Um, Father Karras asks, why you can't make why can't you make the, the restraints disappear? And Pazuzu says, That's too much that's much too vulgar a display of power. <laughs> Only not in the voice that I just said it. Do it. Do it. No. I was going to say, you know, you want to, but you don't. (laughs) (laughs) Christian evangelist Billy Graham claimed an actual demon was living in the celluloid reels of the film itself. Just keep going. I'm going to take a drink. I'm not even (laughs) with that fucker. You know, speaking of failed bullshit. Uh Uh-huh. This fucking... (laughs) Ellen Burstyn said that at one of the uh, screenings that she was at, again, during the arteriogram scene, a woman got up and tried to leave the theater. So Ellen Burstyn got up and followed her. The woman finally fainted in the aisle and she went over and started to help her. And then she realized when this woman wakes up, she's going to see the woman from the movie. <laughs> well, I would, you, I would shit my pants. <laughs> so, so she, she got somebody else to come over and help before the woman woke up. <laughs> that was smart. That was good thinking. <laughs> And also fainted in the aisle. <laughs> there was a report in the Toronto Medical Post of, in 1974 claiming four women who saw the exorcist in theaters were so traumatized they were confined to psychiatric care. You know what? Don't go fucking see a horror movie. <laughs> you big wuss. Everybody talks about like millennials and Gen Z's being wusses. Yeah. No, these I mean, these would have been largely, you know, maybe some early Gen Gen X. The oldest Gen X or some boomers. Yeah, mostly boomers. And you couldn't handle a fucking movie. Oh, oh, my stars and garters. I must clutch my pearls. Oh, Duchess. No, fuckers. Don't go fucking see a horror movie if you don't think you can handle horror at all. I understand yeah. there might be a wide interval of what this is. Yeah. Um, it was also reported in Chicago that two viewers were sent to a mental institution after watching the film. Well, to be fair, it's Chicago. <laughs> They're probably Cubs fans. Hey, aren't you? The... Anyway. I, 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 I know of what I speak. <laughs> it's um, like Catholicism. I get to make fun of being a Cubs fan. You can fuck off. <laughs> yeah. In Berkeley, California, it was reported that a man injured himself when he threw himself at the screen during a showing of the film in an attempt to get the demon. To be fair, I spent a lot of my high school and college years trying to get the demon, too. (laughs) Finally got it when I was uh, 20. Uh, But yeah, yeah. Jesus During a showing of the film in Boston, I and see, I'm going to guess this one was just, you know, a, a bunch of guys decided this would be a funny thing to do. Uh, it was reported that several young men supposedly paraded naked in front of the screen, claiming to be possessed by the devil. Okay, that's hilarious because I bet they were just claiming that just yeah. so they could do that. And that's kind of hilarious. Yeah. Um, supposedly, Ozzy Osbourne saw The Exorcist during its initial run in theaters eight times. 
Um, he's since stated it's his favorite horror movie. Um, having influenced him and his work since first seeing it with his black with his Black Sabbath band members. Um, I'm going to say they, I don't know, because, I mean, Sabbath was already going in that vein anyway. (laughs) Speaking of veins, no. (laughs) Yeah. Jason Miller, who played Father Karras, did his his first film role in a horror film in 1973, The Exorcist. 15 years later, his son, whose name is Jason Miller, but goes by the professional name, of Jason Patrick. Ooh, I know him. Oh, oh, oh. He was That's in another guy. iconic horror movie. Oh, I know what it is. What is it? What is it? Wait, wait. I just lost it. Shit. I lost it, boy. <laughs> Damn it. I see what you did there. <laughs> God, I, that is one of my favorite. Is It may be definitely my top three vampire films. Oh, yeah. And, and, like if I take out Christopher Lee, uh-huh. it's probably my favorite vampire film. <laughs> I, I didn't, I guess I didn't put it in here, but I do have a, a Christopher Lee thing uh, about this. I'll, I'll get to that one last. William Friedkin once received Holy Communion while attending mass in preparation for the movie. He was, he was Jewish, however, did not realize he had unwittingly committed sacrilege. <laughs> I, I'm trying to parse that because if you've never, ever, ever, ever been to a mass, you probably don't know you're not supposed to. Right. Unless you go with, if you go with somebody who's Catholic, they should tell you. Yeah. But, yeah, you know what? That That's on the priest then. Well, you know, apparently he, he told William Peter Blatty about it, and Blatty was, he was shocked, right? So he contacts the priest, and the priest went, don't worry, it can't hurt him. <laughs> <laughs> see, that's perfect. That's that's perfect. That's, see, I don't think it's sacrilege if you don't mean to do it as a dick, if it's a mistake. Right. That priest, kudos to that person. <laughs> I'll give oh. a Father Shanahan award to that as a priest <laughs> who's just like, that's oh, cool, I'm going to go have a beer now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Christopher Lee when the movie came out, I I didn't see that Christopher Lee had actually been to see the movie. I am assuming from the story that he did because Peter Cushing was asked about the movie. And of course, you know, Peter Cushing being a proper gentleman. Which kills me because he destroyed Alderaan, but yes, he is. Yeah. So from what he said, it didn't sound like he would have wanted to go to the movie in the first place. But apparently... Christopher Lee saw it and immediately turned around and told Peter Cushing, don't go see this movie. You will not enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> I sent you and Rob of uh, Donnie a meme the other day, or maybe it was just you, but it was Christopher Lee complaining he had no scenes and Peter Cushing going, I've read the script. Be happy. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> uh, I won't say which movie it was, but it may or may not definitely was a hammer horror <laughs> yeah i i had to look for this i had i had seen this a while back um and now initially i had found this clip this wasn't a clip this was a whole fucking episode of the tonight show with johnny carson from like january of 1974 i found it because robin hilton 
who didn't really have much of an acting career, but she has one small but very, very memorable scene in Mel Brooks's Blazing Saddles. She's, you know, the governor's secretary. Um, I, I'm trying to decide how to react <laughs> because I know the exact fucking Johnny Carson clip you're talking about because every goddamn time I see Blazing Saddles, I look her up and that comes on. <laughs> <laughs> well, that episode, two of the guests that night were Richard Pryor and William Peter Blatty. Interesting. And like Robin Hilton was the first guest on that night. Um, I don't remember who the second guy was or the second guest. Um, and then Richard Pryor came out. He did a little stand-up act, sat down, talked to Johnny for a little bit. And as they were getting ready to go to commercial, they were getting ready to bring out William Peter Blatty. And Johnny was, as he's getting ready to go to commercial, he 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 reaches over, touches Richard on, on the arm, and he says, have, have you seen the exorcist? <laughs> just, just non, you know, real casual. Like, have you, have you seen the exorcist? <laughs> Richard Pryor's reaction was, ah, <laughs> <laughs> he, he had seen the exorcist. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, uh, there, there's a, um, I, I didn't get a chance to go back and rewatch it. Um, comedian Paul Mooney was a friend of Richard Pryor's and he told the story of going to the theater with Richard to see the movie. And it was kind of funny. It wasn't a real long clip I found on YouTube, but it was, it was pretty funny. And what kills me is, you know, we, we grew up more with Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Yeah. But but because I had older brothers, they had some Richard Pryor um, vinyl. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, I did, I mean, I, I grew up with some of the Richard Pryor stuff too, because of my older brother, but you know, we, we were more, with with the eddie murphy stuff and i just i remember eddie had this joke about horror movies and like the difference between a white family moving into a horror uh, into, into a haunted house and a black family moving into a haunted can, house. can i do it yeah go ahead so why it's going to be a paraphrase because it's been a little while but a white family moves in you know and get out hey, let's stick around baby black family moves, comes in get out sorry baby we gotta go <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> it's, it's, I, I shortened it a lot because I don't want to have to, you know. Yeah, yeah I, I does did, it so uh, much better. I did. I did find because apparently it's on one of Richard Pryor's comedy albums where he talks about going to see The Exorcist, and he's like, he's like, if 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 that had been a black family, that movie would have been over in seven minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Get out! Sorry, baby. <laughs> I go. I because he he Richard Pryor chimed in a little bit while. William Peter Blatty was, was, you know, being interviewed. And um, I think his, uh, he said he found it to be very religious. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I do. I did love this quote from Johnny Carson though. He he said, it leaves an impact on you when you leave the theater. (laughs) I mean, people were, people were lined up for hours to get tickets like there was a uh, William Peter Blatty was talking about a theater owner who showed up to open the theater at like seven o'clock in the morning. And their first showing wasn't until 1030. And there were already like 4,000 people lined up down the street waiting to get tickets. Controversy. 
yeah. obviously helps. Yeah. But yeah, it's what's I mean, it's the highest grossing for inflation adjusted show, so obviously. Yeah. For horror, R rated horror. But you know, you can't go see a movie with a twelve year old fucking herself with the crucifix and not disturb you. Exactly. It's it yeah, it's very disturbing. You know, I I, I think there's a and we when we talked about catharsis when we talked about the the movie Halloween, at least that one, yeah, um, I, and I think there is definitely by the final scene of the movie, there there's catharsis, you know, so it it can have that effect on people if you could make it to that part of the movie, you know, the very last scene. Yeah, yeah, I mean the resolution of the film is good. I how it's handled, how they take care of the demon, the after when the mother and daughter, like it, it is, it's good. There is catharsis. Yeah. If that's catharsis though, I'd rather have a boring life and, and not have to deal with that shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will. Like we talked at the very beginning of the episode, it is a disturbing, I mean, look, the, the white face, the crucifix masturbation, uh, the pea soup puking of green gore going all over the place and and technically suicide even if it's for love and i mean slapping them like jesus it's well not not jesus is the point but yeah (laughs) yeah so i've got a family members who know i'm not exactly overly religious and when i ever go like jesus they're like didn't think you're religious i'm like i grew up catholic what the fuck do you want from me (laughs) (laughs) you know that's that's one of those exclamations we've learned over the years and it's kind of hard to break yourself of using it i even tried but i catch myself going uh i'm good with sweet baby loki but when when i'm like actually wanting to say something and i go jesus i've tried to change it and go loki or not and i've realized i sound like a dick More so than usual. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I stumbled upon a piece of information today when I was doing my last of the research that I did. So apparently the guys who did the new Halloween trilogy, that's a direct sequel to the original 1978 movie and skips all the other, you know, ignores all the other movies. um, They have a new Exorcist trilogy comes out. And it, and I don't know I don't know when you're planning on having this episode come out, um, so it may be out by the time this comes out. October thirteenth was the day I saw. That's the date that was given. Ellen Ellen Burstyn is reprising her role as Chris McNeil. Linda Blair, when asked about it, said she had not been approached about it. The first movie is done, ready to come out. I have not heard anything about production on the second or third movie. So I don't, maybe they will bring Linda Blair back. I kind of hope they do because, but my, my guess is because at the end of the movie, she doesn't remember anything. The The character of Reagan doesn't remember anything about what happened. So I could Which is part of the resolution you're talking about. Right. Yeah. So I could see that being a reason why Reagan would not be involved at all, but Chris being involved because she would remember all of it. That does make sense. And that would be why you would have Ellen Burstyn, but not Linda Blair. I didn't know about it. I am now looking forward to it. Oh, I, I didn't know Ellen was in it. I just knew it was coming out. I didn't realize it was 
I just thought they're kind of redoing some Exorcist. I didn't realize it actually had a connection. Yeah. Because I was already excited. So, you know. But I will tell you that it is supposed to be released October 6th, which is the first Friday of October. Okay. Oh, shit. We didn't talk about the music. <laughs> I mentioned it with the atmosphere. Yeah. Um, that was literally pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. I Well, the the... The main theme was Tubular Bells by Mike Oldfield. If I remember right, that is one of those albums where it's just the one song. And it, it the, the only reason that the song itself is not 40 minutes is because on the vinyl, you would have to flip it over to play the other side. If I remember right, I'm not entirely sure. There may be, it may be broken up into smaller things, but. I don't really know much about it. I just looked it up and it was released also in 73, but earlier in May. Yeah. Um, apparently William Friedkin, cause he was trying to, he was having problems getting the music done. I did not want to go into all that because that in and of itself was almost a story, but apparently he was, he was in, uh, I met Erdogan, uh, the, the guy from Atlantic records. He was in his office yeah. and it was on the, uh, it was on the, the record player in his office and William Friedkin was in there for some reason having a meeting with him and he saw the record cover and he's like, well, that looks interesting. And he put the music on and he was like that, that right there, that's what I want. And that that's how tubular bells wound up be, being, you know, the, at least the theme. Well, that's cool. Yeah. I just saw it. You're right with Amit and, and it being in the exorcist helped pick up its sales for the, the, the album too. Yeah. Neat. I had no idea. Um, it, I know we've mentioned him in the Zeppelin episodes. Uh-huh. So excuse me as I take a drink for that also. <laughs> uh, Bob done with Ivy's pumpkin stout. Huh. But to be fair, we've also been recording for two hours. <laughs> yeah, we have. So two beers in two hours is about perfect. There you go. <laughs> I don't remember what the budget was for the movie, but it went... Um way over budget obviously made it back but um it was also supposed to finish shooting in 85 days and went over 224 days <laughs> I, I was trying to find what it is uh-huh oh i'm sad never mind there's a movie called the pope's exorcist i was typing in the exorcist budget and it came up the pope's i, I thought maybe somebody found the vatican's actually budget thing and we're gonna no. tell me how much they spent a year on exorcisms damn it russell crowe <laughs> i'm actually glad you brought that up me too okay so I've, I've actually seen that movie the pope's exorcist I, I saw it recently the story borrows a lot from this movie but the priest that Russell Crowe plays in that movie was a real, a real priest who performed exorcisms. I don't remember his first name. His last name was Amorth. In 2017, William Friedkin directed a documentary about an exorcism performed by Father Gabriel Amorth, who is the character played by Russell Crowe in The Pope's Exorcist. I've heard it's good, and I've heard it's similar enough, and that it... If you want to go in and believe all this, it's yeah. accurate so, and, and fairly decent. Rebecca and I watched The Pope's Exorcist. I think she liked it better than I did, but it was entertaining. I, I will say that. Um, but <laughs> Speaking of Russell Crowe, are you not entertained? <laughs> Which, okay, so that's from Gladiator. 
and yes yes he is <laughs> and, and and yeah <laughs> um so the the last shot in the pope's exorcist is russell crowe is father amorth on his little scooter riding away with the coliseum in the background which was a reference to gladiator you mentioned that we talked about that in one of the previous halloween episodes we recorded okay. i don't know if it's during the episode or if you were just telling me when we we're talking about doing yeah this which is now that i'm saying it the case because you're like i don't want to forget that <laughs> <laughs> right you do know what father gabriel amorth's middle name is right uh amon I'm on a more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do, 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 do. I'm on a more. Do, 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 do. I'm on a more. <laughs> Choke Jody up. That was a good one. Oh. Oh. <laughs> That's what Pazuzu said. <laughs> I had just thought of something else and now I don't remember what it was. So I think I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Now I've got nothing. I mean, yeah, I'm, I am glad you remembered the uh, scooter thing, though. Yeah. Well, I always like better than Skeeter. <laughs> How many Muppet references are you going to work into this? <laughs> <laughs> it's... It's time to light the candles, get out the biblical verse. Time to tell Bazuzu he's got to fuck off right now. Uh, Just kidding, Bazuzu. Oh, okay. Real quick before we get out of here, was nominated for ten Academy Awards. First horror film to be nominated for Best Picture. That one we mentioned. It was nominated for seven Golden Globes and won four of them. Holy shit! Including Best Motion Picture Drama. Well, there's drama there. I mean, yeah. So for the Academy Awards, Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor, Best Supporting Actress, it won Best Screenplay based on material from another medium. William Peter Blatty adapting his own book to a screenplay. But it was also nominated for Best Art Direction, Best Cinematography, Best Film Editing, and won for Best Sound. Yeah, for the Golden Globes, uh, it won Best Picture Drama, Best Supporting Actress, uh, Motion Picture for Linda Blair, Best Director, Motion Picture, William Friedkin, Best Screenplay, Motion Picture, William Peter Blatty, nominated for Best Actress in a Motion Picture, Ellen Burstyn, Best Supporting Actor, Motion Picture, Max von Sydow, Most Promising Newcomer, Female, Linda Blair. So those, those last three were all the nominations it didn't get, but. I got the other four. I'm going to forgo the term newcomer with Linda Blair for now. <laughs> but do you know why it did better that way? I think why. So, so, so the book is good. Yeah. And the person. Who have you read the book? book? I did we? Because I know we talked. Did you? Have you read the book? Because I have not. I've not either. No. Okay. No. I actually kind of want to now, but. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm thinking about it too. It may go into my th this year's Halloween reads, but. So, okay, you got me off track. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Blatty uh, wrote the book and the screenplay. Yeah. And Rice wrote Interview with the Vampire and the screenplay for the first interview, like the Vampire Chronicles movie. 
yeah with kick ass and, um, um brad pitt and tom cruise yeah tom cruise yeah both of them kicked ass yeah i don't know who did the screenplay for the second vampire chronicles but it sucked i think part of the problem was they tried to combine the second and third books into one story and that never goes over well well no no that that is definitely part of it, it you know they could have done it but made it a duo like a, a duology not a trilogy yeah. but a um, uh, and I mean, there was they they replaced Tom Cruise. I did not like the actor that replaced him. I'm not a Tom Cruise fan. I I've, a lot of times I will avoid a movie because of Tom Cruise. But I, Tom Cruise's Lestat was, I thought he was the out, out of the, him and the the guy that played him in the the second movie. I thought Tom Cruise was far and above the better actor. Well, I did too, but I don't mind Stuart Townsend. I think is more the script. I yeah, I, I would probably place most most of the blame there. Yeah. And they didn't even have Louie in that at all. Right. But anyway, uh, one of the episodes we recorded already for Halloween is the Harvest Home book, mm-hmm. which they yeah. did Dark Secret of Harvest Home. That miniseries was not written by the guy, uh, Tryon, right? Um, yeah. I'm trying to remember. Was that right? Did you remember? Yeah, Tryon. Yeah, Thomas yeah. Tryon. Yeah. Uh, get the motherfuckers who wrote the goddamn books to do the screenplays. And if you don't like it, that's because you're an asshole who doesn't appreciate the actual fucking book that you paid money for to adapt the goddamn thing to some sort of visual medium. (laughs) Like a Neil Gaiman, when they adapt things, he has typically a lot of input, which is why I've enjoyed. I I can't think of anything I've not enjoyed Mm -hmm. of his that they've put into a, radio drama or a movie or a tv like whatever it is just let the person who wrote it be a part of it like the exorcist yeah and then i could go on a bitch about the vampire chronicles and stuff but that wasn't my point <laughs> <laughs> and, and i'm trying to try not give you more work to do <laughs> anyway yep <laughs> i can i can keep talking but i can stop too i don't really have anything on the exorcist <laughs> i've yeah, unless I remember what it was I was thinking of that I forgot. <laughs> I, I think that's it for this episode. I'm trying to, re- I've, I've been kind of babbling, trying to think of that too. But when you brought up Russell Crowe, I forgot. But then when you said it, I'm like, yeah, yeah, you want to say that. And I don't, I'm not going to come up with it. I, yeah, that's, that's okay. <laughs> but for our listeners, uh huh, you should go watch the movie. Yes. And if you do it at night by yourself, kudos to you. Uh-huh. But then, after you do that, you should rate us, review us, share us, even if you want to say, you two fucking wusses. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm not going to be ashamed. This is one of the scariest motherfucking movies ever. <laughs> yes. Uh, lick me, mommy, lick me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't disturb me. Uh, but yes, on on that note, uh-huh. <laughs> I was going to try to do some Bazuzu voice and go, rrr, rrr, but instead, I'm going to open up my third Scarlet Lane beer called Slasher. See, I've been I was waiting to do that. I know we've got other episodes to do, so I've got a you you gave me a couple of cans of that, and I'm waiting for the right one. Oh, I've I've got more of these, so I can have this tonight and still be ready to go. 
Yeah, yeah, because you gave me another one. You've got a specific episode you want to do. You gave me a beer specific to that episode. So yeah, I I, I did yeah, because I know you got me some dice and a and a book, and I got you some beer. And, and out of all the beer I got you, just that one that one beer, I think will be perfect to go with that episode. Okay, well Which sure we could so, we could yeah. wait till December for a Yuletide, but I think it'd be better in October because then you can have the beer. <laughs> <laughs> And, and and I only have one left, and I I want it, and I I want it soon. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, on that note, oh shit, god damn it, <laughs> <laughs> didn't go all over, but went all over enough. <laughs> uh huh. <clears throat> I'm James. <laughs> I'm Jody. <laughs> and we'll exercise you later. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> The Macabre Manor is brought to you by the Twin Terrors. All rights reserved. Stay tuned for some fun outtakes. Hello. That's what she said. Of her. Oh, wait, wait, wait. But give me a second. Ready? Yeah. On the first day of filming, Pazuzu gave to me. <laughs> All I'm saying is that my song should at least go in the outtakes if you don't leave it in. Here. I will. It'll be in there somewhere. Hell yeah. Was it? Was that a pun? <laughs> unintended but yes to be fair the other day i i'd had a few beers and my wife said something like she did a did some sort of date thing and i'm like 18 28 because it's 18 did i just do math better than you (laughs) (laughs) sure did baby (laughs) what i was actually gonna say next wait a second wait wait i got (laughs) two things that you can put in the outtakes one is i mentioned none porn and i've had other people either like recovering catholics look at me like jesus fucking christ and i don't mean that as a pun <laughs> the other thing is if if they can nail jesus to the cross why can't jesus nail you with the dildo <laughs> okay. Okay. so 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 my my next uh let's see i don't need that Hmm. And yeah, you do. You need some of those naked lady tees too. Huh? Yeah. Man, it looks good on you. I didn't get a hurrah from that guy. I, I was going to try to do a uh, <laughs> our outro with the demon voice. Uh huh. It's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like another Muppet Show skit. <laughs> it kind of does. Okay, I, I was, I'm actually reading the Linda Blair Wikipedia thing right now. It says she actually does believe in the paranormal. Okay. That's interesting, because I, too, am on a page about Linda Blair. Uh-huh. But it's a Google search of Linda Blair nude. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tom Ellis, who played Lucifer Morningstar. Yes. Also played Thomas Milligan in Doctor Who. Uh-huh. At the same time where the master came back and was going against the doctor, as played by David Tennant. Yeah. <laughs> who voices oh. Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> but more importantly, he voices Hu Yang on Ahsoka. I think you're having a stroke. <laughs> no, no, no. I feel perfectly fine. <laughs> in fact, after my stroke, I'm feeling pretty damn good. <laughs> Who the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> David Tennant. Right. Who plays who? Hu Yang. The droid. 
the droid that built the lightsabers. Oh, oh. you have, have you you haven't been watching Ahsoka, have you? I've not started Ahsoka yet. Uh, he he was also uh, he also voiced that character in the Clone Wars. Oh, cool. Yeah. So they they brought him back. I didn't realize the character was going to be in the series at first, and then I started seeing the trailers, and I'm like, wait, that was the that was the droid that worked for the Jedi and helped the helped the younglings learn how to build lightsabers. Well, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, it, it, to, to disagree, it is not more important. Scrooge McDuck <laughs> is still always more important. I did not, I did not lose track of that thought. <laughs> but this is awesome. <laughs> Look, I think Scrooge McDuck's more awesome than Captain America. So you throwing out some fucking droid? <laughs> <laughs> just, just so you know, though, I'm always going to bring up Hu Yang from now on. Actually, I dig that. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to add something else in there now. <laughs> I already know who. I'm gonna wait. <laughs> oh, here you go. Who's also Crowley? Who's a demon, just like Pazuzu? <laughs> Dick. <laughs> this is going to be the biggest damn episode.